Live from Nashville, Tennessee, this is the Campfire Cafe on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. Cinco de Mayo from 
Nashville, Tennessee. I'm your host, Gary Holt. That was Mary Kay Holt with her great song, Caro. And from Albuquerque, New Mexico, is our co-host, Miss Bobby Bell. Good morning, Bobby. Good morning, Gary. So it's Cinco de Mayo. Are you doing anything special to celebrate? Uh, yes, I'm treating Sam, who is having a birthday <laughs> today. He turns one year old. And and I think I'm going to take the girls out tonight for some virgin margaritas and maybe some street tacos. So mm, you don't celebrate anything good. in Albuquerque, New Mexico on Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> oh, I'm sure there's all kinds of things going on. And I know certainly back in Los Angeles, uh, there always was a lot of things going on. But yeah, I think um, uh, margarita sounds sounds good to me. Maybe we can do those later tonight. <laughs> uh, gosh, we'll probably do that. You know, uh, my mother-in-law is Mexican. Mary Kay's mother is mm-hmm. Mexican. She came mm-hmm. to Mexico when she was 12. And uh, do you know what Cinco de Mayo is celebrated for? Well, I think I do, but why don't you tell us so we get it right? All right, so Cinco de Mayo is a yearly celebration held on May the 5th, which commemorates the anniversary of Mexico's victory over the French Empire at the Battle of Pueblo in 1862. And that was led by General Ignacio Zaragoza. There we go. Mm-hmm. That's that's a celebration of the victory over the French. And uh, now I guess they're all friends, so that's a good thing. <laughs> All right, we're going to have a fun show on Cinco de Mayo and uh, celebrating some great music. We'll be we'll be throwing out some um, music today with a little Spanish flavor to it, a little Mexican flavor to it. But who is our special guest today? Oh, our special guest today is, I think, making her first appearance with us on Campfire Cafe. Patty Clayton, looking forward to this so much. All right, we're looking forward to talking with Patty, and uh, she was on, we were talking about this earlier, she was on Blessed Trails with Belinda Gale when we were doing that show on here. So mm-hmm. Looking forward to having her back and catching up. It has been a while. And then in the second hour of the show, we're going to be talking with Mark Kimmel, who is the Vice Chairman of Backcountry Horsemen of America. And uh, they have been with us now for, I think, this is starting nine years, Bobby, that Backcountry Horse mm-hmm. America has been with us for the first Thursday of the month, every month, uh, for nine years now. So it's it's kind of strange to think about the fact that next year will be our 10th anniversary for yeah. Equestrian Legacy Radio. I was kind of young when we started this thing. Now I have. <laughs> but anyway, we're going to have uh, a great time are. today. <laughs> young at heart, anyway. We're having a great time mm-hmm. today visiting with Patty Clayton, and we're going to be visiting with her when we come back. But right now, let's listen to a great song from Mr. Don Edwards. It's called South of the Border. Border down Mexico way, 
As I was Birdman, never dreaming that we were parting, and I lied as I whispered, our tomorrows never came. South of the border, I rode back one day, there in a veil of white by I, 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 
Welcome back. On the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. Tipping our hat to Cinco de Mayo today, that was Don Edwards with South of the Border. Today's featured guest, Patty Clayton, is recognized for bringing her own brand of Western music to the forefront as a performing songwriter whose buckaroo ballads and borrowed songs celebrate the present and the past of Western America. She holds a strong connection to the Oregon Trail pioneers. A descendant of ranching pioneers from the Pacific Northwest, she was raised in the West. Patty's pure vocals have delighted Western and folk audiences in a career that has spanned several decades, both as a solo artist and with her band, Cimarron Wind. Both the International Western Music Association out of Albuquerque, New Mexico, and Academy of Western Artists in Fort Worth, Texas, have presented her with Female Performer of the Year, Western Swing CD of the Year, and Female Vocalist of the Year, respectively. IWMA multi-award-winning songwriter and radio personality Marvin O'Dell has this to say, Patty Clayton is an engaging performer who packs high energy into an almost delicately muted delivery that bespeaks deep musical maturity. That she is an exceptional singer is recognized immediately. That she may be one of Western music's finest songwriters becomes apparent upon hearing only a couple of her original tunes. Today we'll be featuring music from her newly released album, The Real West, dedicated to the men and women who embarked on the 2,000-mile journey for a better life in the West. Please welcome to Campfire Cafe, a singer-songwriter who has been described as having a voice as pure as the prairie wind, Patty Clayton. Welcome, Patty. Hello. Welcome. <laughs> this is just great to be on, on uh, air with you folks today. I'm really looking forward to spending some time with you. Thank you so much. Hey, Patty. I have so enjoyed this album. It's really, really, the more I listen to it, the better it gets. Really. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to put out something that you worked so hard on and that you're proud of and to have people acknowledge that and, you know, affirm that, yes, this is this is good work and that you're enjoying it. And I really appreciate hearing that. So thank you very much. Well, you're very welcome. So we've talked to a lot of people uh, who, during the pandemic, produced a lot of stuff. Great music, great poetry. <laughs> uh, so as you were putting this together, did a lot of it come together during the pandemic? You know, actually, um, this was an idea that has been stewing in my soul uh, for quite a few years. And... Um, I actually was encouraged by my sister-in-law, who lives here in Colorado, to put out an album called Prairie Passages after I had showed her photographs that I had taken um, at Register Wall up in uh, Guernsey, Wyoming. And uh, she was learning about my family history as I was talking about my ancestors being Oregon Trail pioneers. And she yeah. said, you know, you ought to just write some songs and call the album Prairie Passages. So this was something that I had been thinking about. And 
I decided to write a song called Prairie Passages and continue on with the concept of uh, life uh, on the trail and um, for, for the settlers and for the immigrants and the pioneers and, and call the album The Real West um, because it, it basically has all different subjects uh, of life um, for the pioneers and for the immigrants and for the settlers. Um, ranging, as you can tell from the titles on the songs, to, uh, you know, life on the trail and life on the flatland and the animals right. that they've encountered and, and everything like that. So it's been stewing for a while, and I actually didn't get started on it until – uh, December of just last year, uh, because oh, wow. I found myself, <laughs> yeah, I, I kept putting it off. I, I found myself busy with some other projects when I got home, uh, in May of 2020. And, um, I took up, uh, a long lost hobby. And at that point there weren't any gigs happening. And, and I just didn't really feel motivated at that time. There was no studio open for me to, uh, do any recording around here because of the pandemic. Right. So I just kind of put it all on the back burner. And then December of last year, it was like, you know what? It's time. And I wrote uh, one, two, three, four songs, five songs, uh, four songs and one instrumental, all within a period of about two months for this album. Oh, wow. And wow. yeah, so it, it once once I got my brain in gear and said, okay, we're going to do this, then it was like, okay, now I've got to write these songs. And these were songs that I had been thinking about for quite some time. So it was a <laughs> it was a project in the making for a long time that didn't get started until way later. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of sounds like some of my projects, you know. So we're going to get to a song right now from the Real West. This first one that we're going to go to is one called Long Gone, uh, Long Gone Out West Blues. So, so tell us a little bit about mm -hmm. this song. This was so much fun. Well, this, yeah, this song, um, I love this song. This was actually written by Ferris and Jason Romero, who are okay. folk artists that live up in Horsefly, um, uh, British Columbia. And uh, he's he's a banjo maker, and she's a a mother and a uh, to to I think she has two children, and um, they have a beautiful spread of land up in British Columbia, and they're folk artists, and they are just now getting themselves back out on the road to perform as well. But this song that they wrote, "Long Gone Out West Blues," is kind of reflective of. Um, the simple reality of hopes and desires of life in the West, but not always going the way that they had planned. So that's that was uh, kind of my inspiration for including this on this album. Let's take a listen to Long Gone Out West Blues, Patty Clayton, and we'll be back to visit with her more on the Campfire Cafe. <laughs> Oh my 
guests today. And uh, Patty, we were talking just a little bit ago about the fact that you moved back to the United States in May of 2020. You and I are not really very clever about some things because we both started traveling during the <laughs> pandemic. I don't know what the deal was about that. But what were what did you done in Hawaii for so long? Well, um, Hawaii uh, was my final destination in my 40, almost 43-year career of, of uh, obstetrical sonography. I have been an ultrasound sonographer for... Um, over 40 years, and I had um, a lot of uh, work in Denver uh, and in Alaska and in Hawaii in obstetrical ultrasound, doing ultrasound on pregnancies, on uh, women that were pregnant, doing ultrasounds on their fetuses. And um, for about 20 years, I was uh, traveling back and forth between Fairbanks, Alaska, and Honolulu, Hawaii, uh, working for uh, a perinatology group and for a radiologist that was doing a lot of obstetrical um, ultrasound. And um, I, every time I came back to Hawaii to that perinatology group, one of the physicians there kept saying, you really need to come here and stay here and work for us. <laughs> So I finally did. After 10 years of going back and forth, I went there and stayed there for a full 10 years. And I decided at that point that that was where I wanted to retire my career from. And uh, I did. I'm so proud of the fact that I was able to continue my profession for so long. And I loved it. I was passionate about it and actually go out feeling like I, you know, made a major contribution and did my job well yeah. and <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, Hawaii was uh, not too darn bad of a place to finish that out you know <laughs> somebody had to spend some time there doing that it might well have been me <laughs> yeah I was just thinking what a contrast between Alaska and Hawaii back and forth Alaska oh yeah Hawaii, Alaska Hawaii but, uh, yeah but you, you could not pay to... me enough <laughs> they couldn't pay me enough to work in the winter time in Fairbanks I've, I've just spent <laughs> summer times up there <laughs> Uh, Well, and so you moved back to Colorado in in, uh, May of 2020 and uh, and just picked right back up with your musical career minus being able to get out and gig. What was the hobby that you were talking about that you picked up? Well, uh, back when I was a campfire girl (laughs) a long time ago, (laughs) I took up uh, beading. And I was doing loom beading, like uh, oh, making wow. belts and hat bands and mm-hmm. straps, that kind of thing. So I, over the years, have collected uh, something around a gazillion beads. And uh, <laughs> when I came home, I actually started uh, going through my boxes and boxes and boxes and crates and crates and crates of all my beads and uh, got them all organized and uh, started making beaded jewelry again, beaded earrings and belts and that kind of thing. So, yeah, so I spent that whole first year of the pandemic at home uh, just working on my beading projects and um, getting those kind of all back into, you know, 
trying to figure out how to make these things again and <laughs> but wow. it was it was very enjoyable. I'm still doing that now too. Wow, wow, wow. Well, we are visiting with a multi talented, as you can obviously tell, Patty Clayton today on the Campfire Cafe and we're gonna to get to another song from the C D The Real West. It's one called One Lone Man. So Patty, tell us a little bit about this song. So this song, it's a very beautiful song, and it was written by a friend of mine that I lost um, about a year and a half ago. Uh, his name was Paul Schoenlob, and uh, he had written this song uh, quite a few years before I met him, um, and he he used to come to our camp at Weezer, Idaho, where I go every year for the National Old Time Fiddlers Contest. And he would come to our camp, and we would just sit around and share songs. And he had played this song one evening in our camp, and I just remarked to him what a beautiful song that was. And he said, you know, this is one that you should record. And I said, you know, I think I'm going to do that. And unfortunately, I did not get it recorded before he passed away. But it's a beautiful song about the vast isolation and um, the the really desolate regions that some of the settlers would settle in, and some of them really did suffer from loneliness. And any time that they were going through any period of grief, just being out in those very vast, desolate plains really exacerbated the grief. And uh, so that's what this song is about, is one lone man. This is Patty Clayton. We'll be back in just a moment on the campfire. Our hands. 
One Lone Man, Patty Clayton, from her new album, The Real West, and she is with us today. Patty, um, you know, the day that this album arrived, um, you know, it immediately got uploaded to my music library, and I listened to it hitting that replay button over and over and over again. <laughs> oh, that's so good to hear. <laughs> oh, it's just Thank wonderful. You. And there's just Thank all you. kinds of variety, you know, as Gary mentioned earlier, and, and which um, we're we're hearing through this today's playlist. You know, the day that the CD arrived, um, and I, and, you know, you had been promoting that it was coming. I'd seen pictures of the cover, mm-hmm. but I was deep into the series 1883 by Sheridan Taylor and um, oh. uh, on Paramount Plus. And of course, the kind of major sort of logo image for that series is a a covered wagon, a single covered wagon and a, you know, um, a backdrop. And I looked at the album and I was like, oh my gosh, she couldn't have released this album at a better time. (laughs) 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 Um, Tell us a little bit. Yeah, no, go ahead. (laughs) Well, I was, I was just going to say that's one series I have been wanting to watch, but I'm a little bit resistant uh, to have to buy into a subscription. Uh, another subscription <laughs> in uh, order to watch uh, that, have, but yes, I yeah. may I may cave at some point. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about um, you have just phenomenal musicians with you. You yourself play a number of instruments. You want to give us a little bit of um, you know backstory on on who's on this with you, and I'd love to know where this sort of how you chose this image for the cover. Oh, yes. Well, the image for the cover, um, I I actually stumbled across this image on the Internet, and I contacted the photographer, uh, Bart Smith, who lives in the state of Washington, and um, told him that this was exactly what I had envisioned in my mind for my album cover. And I actually had shot myself a similar photograph uh, in Oregon, um, but do you think I could find it when I needed it? <laughs> <laughs> I went through uh, all my 150 boxes of slides, and oh. I have uh, discs and discs and discs of images, and I must have spent a week just looking for my image, and I cannot find it anywhere. So I thought, okay, I'm just going to see what I can find on the Internet. And uh, Bart was so generous with letting me use this image. And um, my photographer um, and I came up with the idea of me being implanted Mm -hmm. in this uh, Mm. this image. And it's exactly what I had envisioned in my mind. Um, Mm -hmm. And I just, I, I think it's, it it really speaks of exactly you know what the whole concept of the whole album was, it is and um i just couldn't have found a better image for it it's, it's an absolutely beautiful image i'm very proud of it mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so my my musicians um every single album i have done since i have been here in colorado it, it's always mandatory to include the IWMA instrumentalist of the year, Ernie Martinez. (laughs) (laughs) Ernie's on so many people's albums. He's like the session musician to tap into here in Denver area. 
And uh, so he does uh, the dobro and the mandolin and some of the harmony vocals on this album. Um, my engineer, uh, Dave Richardson, is the banjo player on this uh, album. And I've got uh, John Chandler on one song, on my little blues song. He's uh, playing a blues harp, and I'm sure people from the IWMA uh, recognize John's name. He's been the host of the mm-hmm. awards show in the past. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, I was able to get in touch with Ron Jones, who's a phenomenal fiddler uh, here in the Denver area, uh, kind of a swing fiddler and a bluegrass fiddler. And then on uh, one of the songs, I actually have uh, the composer of the song doing the guitar part because there's just no way that I could play it. It's a beautiful um, arrangement in a very Celtic uh, flavor uh, on mm-hmm. the song called The Lilacs and the Roses. And that was mm-hmm. uh, guitar work by John McIntyre, who is a friend out of Pullman, Washington. And mm-hmm. then... Um, the rest of it, I play. I play the guitar and the bass, and the, I, I did the accordion on that song, and I did uh, banjo on another song, and and um, the lead and some of the harmony vocals myself. So mm-hmm. I, I did on say multi-talented with... a while ago, didn't I? <laughs> I did. Well, and it saves a little money too if I can do everything. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think the next song on the playlist is a longtime a favorite of mine. I think I first heard it um, with Judy Coder, and then Notable Exceptions, I think, yeah. has also done it, Red Buffalo. Um, mm-hmm. And, of course, we are deep into fire um, all around New Mexico um, still right now, I think. Um, do you want to tell right. us a little bit about Red Buffalo before Gary plays it? Yeah, so um, I had actually written this song many, many years ago and had recorded it on a previous album. Um, And I decided that I wanted to include this in this album um, because this was something that the settlers had to contend with and uh, Mm -hmm. even Mm -hmm. some of the emigrants on their their, uh, journey, I'm sure they probably had to contend with some of this. But it was just um, fascinating to me uh, having witnessed one prairie fire on my journey from Colorado to uh, Idaho one year. I I ran across an area where there was a fire out in this field, out in this prairie land out there, not like the prairies of the Midwest, but uh, just a, a, a field of grass. And um, it if you were able to get close enough to it, you could actually hear the rumble of the mm. fire as it's going across the ground. And of course, this year, not only those fires in New Mexico, but the fires that we are continuing to have here in Colorado, the worst mm-hmm. one being on December 30th, the Marshall fire that we had in uh, Boulder County, uh, mm-hmm. that just literally took out a thousand homes within a matter of hours. And I was actually up in the northern, a little bit north of Boulder the day that that was happening. And when I had Mm -hmm. been driving home from the studio, I was like driving right towards it. And all I could think of was, I'll bet this is a huge stampede of red buffalo. And Mm -hmm. there there was just 
you know, this vision in my mind of being able to hear that that stampede sound, uh, especially from that fire. And um, and I thought it was an inappropriate song to uh, re re-record. It's a little bit different arrangement than the original arrangement, but it's still the exact same story, and it still has the same mm-hmm. effect. Mm-hmm. This is Red Buffalo. Powerful. We'll be right back.
Buffalo, Patty Clayton is our very special guest today on the Camp Art Cafe. That is from her CD, The Real West. For those of you that are listening around the world, if you'd like to share this program, you can always listen to it afterwards on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, as well as our website at EquestrianLegacy.net. So, Patty, as I go through listening to this, I, I was thinking yesterday. Uh, first of all, you sound like you might have done some folk songs in the past. Who were your influences <laughs> in the music world? <laughs> How did you get started with Western music? Oh, my gosh. You know, that's a good question. I I did, I was raised on folk music. I did listen to a lot of Peter, Paul, and Mary, and John Denver, and I, there was just a lot of acoustic artists that I was drawn to listening to as I was growing up, but my dad uh, had every single song, um, records from the uh, Sons of the Pioneers that he would play okay. um, on his record player and um, <laughs> when I was growing up in Portland, and I just, I always... I've I've been raised in the West. I've always loved the the life of the of the Westerner. Um, I've always loved stories of the cowboys, and uh, I've always loved horses. And um, I don't know. It's just it's it's kind of in my blood, just like the Oregon Trail pioneers are literally in my blood. My descendants were Oregon gotcha. Trail pioneers, and. Um, it's, it was just something that just came kind of natural to me to identify with. Um, I, I have to admit, I live in the city. I don't have any horses, um, you know, but it's, it's still something that's in my heart and in my blood and in my soul and my family, uh, my family history, the, it goes back pretty far to uh, ranchers all in Idaho right. and uh, Washington area. And so it's, it um, it's just there, and it was just a, an easy path to follow and an easy thing to uh, write about and uh, share, you know, the stories and and some of which are family history and some are not, you know. But um, that's that's I guess that would be the best explanation of kind of how I got started in it. I got I had my first guitar lessons when I was seven years old. Oh my, wow. Uh, yeah, when I was in first grade, I uh, was in a class that had a set of twins, Jean and Jan Purdy, and they both played accordion, and I was just mesmerized by them playing their accordions, and I came home from school one day, and I told my dad I really wanted to learn how to play accordion, and he's like, no way, and <laughs> so it wasn't wasn't much later that around Christmas, he said, okay, you can either play guitar and I'll give you guitar lessons or you can play piano and I'll find you some piano lessons. So I decided to learn to play guitar and he uh, got me signed up with his barber whose name was Barney Alexander and Barney became my guitar teacher for about seven years. Little did I know at that time, Barney was a champion fiddler. And oh, wow. I did not know this until I was in my early 30s. I ran into him at the Weezer National Old Time Fiddlers Contest. He was a judge <laughs> there that year. 
Oh, and it's wow. like, holy cow, if I'd have known he was a fiddle teacher, I would have been would have going been after fiddling. the fiddle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he was my guitar teacher, and uh, I thanked him, and I thanked my dad, who is now up in heaven, um, for, uh, you know, giving me those lessons with Barney. And uh, I think my dad would be proud of the fact that I've kept playing all these years. <laughs> His I, I expect off. you would. I expect you would. Yeah. Well, this next song that we want to get to is, uh, and I and I really like this. This is called This Flat Land. And, uh, and as we listen to it, people are going to understand why this old Tennessee boy really loves this song. But uh, tell us how this song came about. Well, this song um, was written by a friend of mine named Mary Henderson. She is from um, Minneapolis, and I met her and her husband, Jeff Shannon, um, the very first year that I went to Winfield uh, to the Walnut Valley Festival. And I was sitting on the grass out in front of Stage 5, uh, listening to all these bands that had signed up to perform on stage five. And she came up and, with her husband and her band, and she sang this song, and it it brought me to tears. And the funny thing is, is that as she was singing this song, everybody that was listening on in the audience on the ground was just kind of swaying back and forth, you know, and with the beat of the music. And I found myself you know, going with the flow, going with the waves. And when she came right. to the chorus, everybody in the audience started singing the chorus. And I thought, okay, these people know her and they know this song. And the song just is so beautiful. And it's basically about some of the settlers who came from the East and settled in the Midwest, in the Plains, really missed their homelands in the East, even though they really wanted a new life out West. And some of them missed their homes in the East so bad that they didn't even want to stay out in the plains for the afterlife. And that's what this song is about, called This Flat Land. Beautiful song. We'll be right back.
Flatland, Patty Clayton from her album, The Real West. So, Patty, I know there's a big CD release um, celebration on the horizon. You want to tell us a little bit about that? And then where can our listeners um, buy the CD, follow your schedule and such? Oh, well, thank you for asking. Um, Yeah, so I'm actually doing a CD release concert coming up on Friday, May 20th. And it's going to be at a um, center called uh, the Gresowick. And uh, it's up in Loveland, Colorado. And it starts at 7 o'clock on Friday, May 20th. And I have a five I'm going to have a five-piece band, my myself and four companies. Um, Ernie is going to be with me, uh, Dave Richardson, who produced um, or who engineered the album and co-produced the album uh, and plays banjo. He'll be with me on that. And then my friend Jan Willis will be on bass, and my friend Vi Wickham, uh, a fiddler, is uh, going to be playing with us. And uh, there's information about that concert and uh, access to my albums on my website, which is simply pattyclayton.com, and that's Patty with a Y. I was born in the 50s, so (laughs) (laughs) Patty comes with a Y. (laughs) So pattyclayton.com. Uh, and uh, there's uh, CDs for sale there and uh, also a page with digital downloads uh, of the album, either single individual songs or the whole album you can download from the d- da- uh, digital download page. And um, I think the the tab is called On the Trail, which uh, shows where I'm going to be performing this summer, I do have a couple of shows coming up in June, in uh, one in Idaho and one in Oregon. And I'm actually still in the process of trying to contact a few of the museums along the Oregon Trail um, to try and mm. get my uh, songs in some of those areas. But unfortunately, uh, most of those museums are still closed, and I'm hoping are that they? they'll be back are open. They? Yeah. So that's where you can find my schedule uh, and um, my CDs and uh, information about the uh, concert. If any of you happen to be in the area, (laughs) would sure love to see you at the concert. Hey, Clayton, you have just uh, been a fantastic guest today on the show. So we're going to have to have you back. And uh, it's been way too long since you were on a question. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's been so great to talk to you. I missed you, Gary, at IWMA last year, and um, and Bobby Jean. It was such a pleasure to meet you in in October uh, in Albuquerque last mm-hmm. year, and mm-hmm. I'm hoping that I get to uh, I'm hoping that I get to make that trip again uh, this year. I'll be at IWMA for sure, but I'm trying to fill in the gaps between <laughs> great <laughs> before and after. Great. So you're looking for well, house look concert forward. opportunities, look maybe. Forward, yeah. Look forward to seeing you. Look forward to seeing you. Thank We're going to close you. out Thank this so segment much, with Prairie Passages. And again, that's Patty with a Y, Clayton.com. Be sure and check that out and follow her tour schedule and order her CD. She might even sign it when she sends something out your way. So, I can Patty, do that. thanks again for being <laughs> with me. Thank you so much. Thank you. Calling its voice. 
America on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. We'll continue to celebrate Cinco de Mayo with this great song from Mr. Doug Figgs. It's called Viento del Sur. He was a horse like no other, or so it was told. His silky black coat did shine in the sun There was a fire in his eyes He was brave, he was bold And his trust was given only to one His trust was given only to one A true caballero in traditions of old When gentlemen and horsemen were one and the same bond between them more precious than gold and the legend was born of the name a legend was born of the name El Caballo Viento 
of the going was fine on the journey across the dismal blackhole. The day was hot and dry, but they were making good time, and there was water at Ojo de Muerto. There was good water at Ojo de Muerto. The water at the spring, it was cool and it was sweet. He chopped off his water skins, Viento drank his fill. Here they would stop to rest their weary feet. The night air was cool and it was still. The night air was cool and still. The morning light brought danger as he saddled up to ride. Thanks for having me. Well, good to have you. So are you going to celebrate Cinco de Mayo today? Um, no, not quite, I don't think. <laughs> I'm getting ready for the weekend. So. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a good thing. So I think street tacos tonight and maybe some virgin margaritas at my house. That I'll have good. to talk my wife so. into that. <laughs> so. There you go. There you go. Well, I was just thinking earlier, Mark, that that this month of May begins the ninth year that Backcountry Horsemen of America has been on the show every first Thursday of the month. Nine years. That's just oh. unbelievable. I didn't realize that. Uh-huh. Oh, we're, we're, we're glad to be here. <laughs> well, we're glad to have you. <laughs> After all this time, so it was it was kind of funny because I said, "Well, this starts our ninth year, and next year we'll be celebrating our tenth anniversary." So I don't know where the time has gone, but I'm certainly uh, 
a little older than I was when we started off. Time flies. Uh, I know that feeling. Oh <laughs> <So. laughs> uh, gosh. Well, I think when we when you were on the show last time, if I'm correct, you do a lot of uh, crosscut saw training, a lot of a lot of training. And tell folks a little bit about uh, what you do as the vice chairman of Backcountry Horses of America. But talk to us about some of this all training because that's an important part of keeping these trails clear Mm -hmm. yeah so so one of my jobs is uh saw training uh i volunteer for the fire service here in region one which is in montana and idaho and the volunteers that come into the forest are all required to have saw training whether it be uh cross cut or chainsaw uh, in non-wilderness areas, uh, we can use a, a, cross, uh, a chainsaw, but when you venture into the wilderness, uh, they're non-motorized, so there we need to use uh, a one-man saw or a two-man saw or an axe in, in order to clear trails. So, okay, so, and that's the training that I do. Go ahead. Uh, nice. you know, in order to get people there. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. You know, I think a lot of people don't realize that uh, uh, crosscut saws are used. That in the in the wilderness areas, you're not allowed to use uh, mechanical instruments. You have to use you have to use the natural saws. And uh, it was kind of fascinating, kind of fascinating, because Sherry Copeland sent me a tape, and I'm I'm sorry we don't have that, so we can all listen to it, but. But she sent me a tape of a crosscut saw that was a hundred years old, and you were wearing yeah. that thing out. I mean, it was humming. Where did the saw come from? First of all, uh, I picked up the saw about a year ago, and back in the heyday, I'm going to say back from 1920 to 1940, was when a lot of those crosscut saws were mass produced. Uh, so if you want to buy one that's got really good steel into it. And we do that because when you sharpen them and you keep them out of the dirt, that saw will stay sharp all summer long, and you'll be able to cut hundreds and hundreds of trees with it. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So that's so why I, we I've got to ask you. Yeah. I got to ask you, what is a 100-year-old cross-cut saw worth today? I paid about 400 for that one, uh, but I was on eBay this morning glancing around and. I saw some from seventy-five dollars to a thousand dollars, depending upon how well they depend upon how well they were taken care of. Because uh, it, it takes about eight hours to actually sharpen one of these saws. Uh, it's complete artwork. I mean, mine uh, and that Audi was just a sixty-inch saw, uh, where two guys can operate it on on either side. Uh, but it's still there's like there's sixty teeth there plus the rakers to clean wow. up the. Sawdust, so it, it takes a while to, and those skill sets are harder to find nowadays for people who actually know how to uh, sharpen that saw. So we really wow. take care of them, those saws in between. So. Wow, wow. So, so uh, in good good shape, crosscut saw, hundred years old, probably somewhere mm-hmm. between four hundred and a thousand dollars. And and mm-hmm. what would that yeah. saw have cost a hundred years ago? Probably twenty bucks. <laughs> yeah, probably right in there. <laughs> oh, that's pretty you know, that is and it's funny. not that. You, and you can find them today that 
you know, that are l- l- less expensive, but they are so not being taken care of. They're rusty. They're, they're dirtied up. I mean, the teeth are all dull. It, it, like I said, it can take hours and hours just to get one sharp. So when you get think. it there, you take, you take care of it. You know, that includes leather guards and leather cases to carry them in, uh, stuff like that. So, I think I saw an image, and actually, I had uh, I had captured the image on my phone. I think it was a video of a couple of guys using the crosscut saw, and I may have taken that off of your Facebook page or something. Was, was yeah, one of those I, guys you? Yeah, one was me. Yeah, we were in a, a saw contest. You know, how fast can you saw through a piece of wood? That that type of thing. Uh, in that particular day. Yeah, with a, a two-man saw, I can, two guys can go through a 24-inch tree in about 45 seconds. So oh, wow. Oh. Yeah, when then, and two people, the advantage of a saw like that is two people are in sync. And when they're in sync, that saw just sings to you. It creates its own pitch. You know, it's total harmony, I like to say. And it, yeah. it's just it's just a, a unique sound all the time. Wow. Oh, that's that's amazing. So how and I got I've got to ask this now we're we're kind of strained from backcountry horsemen a little bit, but how did you get interested in uh, uh, the crosscut saws and and the, the saw training? Uh, actually, o- over the years, I mean, I've been uh, volunteering on the forest for probably twenty five years now, and it, it got to the point where I noticed that they were short trainers. Uh, as you get older, you, you tend to accumulate skill sets, and I saw the younger sawyers coming up were potential sawyers, and somebody's got to teach them. And for us to pass on traditional skill sets, you know, like I ride a horse, so I know I, I yeah. passed on traditional skill sets. Uh, the saw was just part of it, and I, I love teaching the younger generation coming up. You know, all the conservation corps or Maricorps coming up through the line. Uh, it, it is just there's nothing more fulfilling than helping somebody get to that next skill set, uh, right. and a lot of them depend on their job, where they have to be experienced in using a chainsaw or a crosscut in order to keep that job. So yeah, that's mostly in wilderness areas where you know people volunteer, but uh, you know uh, we send people out to clear, and they may clear a hundred trees in a day. Uh, and using a crosscut, that's that's easy to do. Two people can zing right through it. In a day's time. Wow. So it's wow. just a, wow. it's just a di- tradition. Wow, that's amazing. So I was I was looking on the website a little bit earlier, and I think I saw that in 2021, the number of man hours that Backcountry Horsemen of America members had put into helping to clear and maintain trails, the value of that was just under nine million dollars. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That's 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 a lot of money. That is a lot of money saved by the federal government with with the volunteers. Yeah, and and there are what just under thirteen thousand members out there donating their time and volunteering and you know to 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 keep help keep our trails open and clear. And you know if they're open, then anyone can access them at that point. Because uh, cause Mother Nature does take back very quickly. I mean, they can easily, one windstorm, and you can have 100 trees block a trail, and then nobody's going to be able to get through it. So yeah. that's that's what we do. So Yeah. Well, another thing that we, and we talked a little bit about this, I 
think maybe just mentioned it in the uh, in the first hour of the show, or maybe we talked about it while we were off air. But uh, these forest fires right now are absolutely horrendous in New Mexico. Colorado had terrible fires end of the year. Uh, the, the fire season is early. It seems like this year, and, uh, and it looks like we may have a terrible fire season, but that really uh, compounds the work that Backcountry Horseman of America does out on these trails, doesn't it? Yes, uh, c- cutting burnt wood that falls into the trail is um, is very difficult. It, it's dirty. I mean, you're, you got soot all over you by the end of the day, uh, and it's dusty and it's nasty, and uh, it, it's it's just ugly. It really it, it's challenging. It's better off to use an axe instead of a saw because it'll dull your saw quick. Wow. Uh, I'm, I'm fortunate. I still got snow levels here in Montana that are keeping me from even getting out. So, um, but but I hate to think of those guys that are. Out. I know a lot of firefighters. I just hate to think that they're already starting throughout the year because they'll be busy all summer. So. Yeah, well, these New Mexico fires. Uh, have just been horrendous for several weeks. I, I know I've had several, several friends that have had to evacuate not once but twice uh, mm-hmm. because of the fires. And it's, it's just, it looks like it's continuing to spread as well. So, yeah. Tough, tough, tough. Mother Nature can be pretty tough on us. And as you were talking about uh, the winds and the tornadoes. And... Yep. Yeah, Mother Nature is unforgiving. I mean, it, it can dump on you at any given time. So um, we kind of get used to it. If it's if it's not burning, the wind kicks up and blows things over, uh, and you, you just have to deal with it, you know, if, if you want to stay out there. Uh, of course, if you're blowing through your backyard, then that's a whole different game there. You know, and then it's, it, it can be interrupting. It's like a tornado coming through. All of a sudden, everything's gone. So Yeah, yeah. Well, because this is uh, uh, Seco de Mayo, and we're sharing a little bit of the Mexican type of music, the Spanish music, to celebrate that, let's take a listen to another song by Trinity Seeley called We Were the Vaqueros, and come back and talk more with Mr. Mark Himmel, the Vice Chairman of Backcountry Horsemen of America, when we return on Saddle of America.
and Backcountry Horse of America and your local organization, you can find a chapter on their website, bcha.org, and get out and work on the trails a little bit and then eat a lot. That would be that would be a good way to go. Good way to go. But uh yeah. anyway, Mark, you were you were uh we're talking a little bit earlier about it doesn't take too long to develop your skills with a cross cut saw, but it takes a while to develop a skill with a chainsaw. And I was kind of interested in that. So talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, I do a lot of instructing, so uh with a chainsaw if somebody's new coming in, they haven't grown up on the farm, they're just coming in, it's going to take them about a year to two years to, to build up good, confident skill sets in, in using that saw, uh, using a chainsaw. And, but when they come along to use uh, a two-man saw, I mean, people can show up and volunteer for a wilderness organization. They sign up for it. And we can take people out that have never even pulled that saw before. But there's an experienced person on one end and a beginner on the other, and they can sit there and talk to each other as we're pulling that saw back and forth. By the end of the day, that beginner has just advanced his skill set just a little bit more. By the end of the week, that person's got a good, clean skill set on on how to use a two-man saw. It it happens that quick because you're only pulling a three-pound saw versus a chainsaw that could weigh up to 20-some pounds. Uh, oh, wow. And you can use a, a two-man saw. You can use that all day long. It's just smooth. You know, it, it's 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 just different. I urge anyone give it a try. It's fun. Well, so you said you do training. So do you have any uh, uh, events that are coming up where you're where you're doing some sessions? That you're doing some training sessions that people might be able to get involved in or do you travel and do training sessions? I, I do. For the most part, I, I stay in region, uh, which is in Montana. I, like I said, I just got done doing Charles training last weekend. Um, and then I, I usually go every other weekend. I mean, this weekend I'm teaching uh, horse packing for 4-H here in Great Falls. Okay. Uh, so, and then I'll bounce back into doing more stall training and then we'll keep going on doing the stall training until everybody's caught up to where they need to be for, for certifications. And then I myself get out to start clearing trail myself and we usually finish out the summer. Uh, we have a short time span here in Montana. I mainly have 90 days from snowfall to snowfall. So oh, wow. uh, we, we got to get to it. Uh, I'm sort of envious of the guys in California or New Mexico, Arizona, where they don't have, have that much snow and they can fall all year long. Of course, they also have the fire seasons that we don't have necessarily. So right. I, I guess it's give and take, but, you know, so. Wow. But I hadn't, I hadn't realized you had such a short period of time. Uh, that that ninety days between snowfalls for an old Tennessee boy, that's pretty quick. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> yeah, and uh, like I say, I wanted to be out this weekend, but there's two feet of snow on the ground yet, so I'm not going to get out. <laughs> so. Oh wow. Wow. wow! wow! Well, you're talking so. about the uh, you talked about the fact that you do some horse packing sessions, some training sessions mm-hmm. as well. So. Um, obviously these are pack horses. Is there uh, still a lot of that that's being done? Uh, yeah. I mean, anything that deals in with wilderness, uh, you're, you may be back in, say, 
the wilderness area is 70 miles wide by 100 miles long. Uh, a crew of 12 may go back in there for, you know, say 12 days. Well, they need pack support. You need all your food, like your clothing, right. everything that you're going to use has got to be packed in on, on horseback or, or mule. So we teach that skill set, and that's just the pack support of it. Some people like to clear trails. Others like to do the pack support. It's, it's yeah. you know, whatever somebody likes to do. And we get in the yeah. middle of all of it. I wonder how um, how common it is for people to be able to actually pack and know what they're doing, whether or not that's becoming a lost skill and something that really has to be taught, uh, you know, on a regular basis to get people back in the back country. It's easier learning the skill set from an experienced packer. Uh, uh, that's just, an, you know, the nature of things. Uh, uh, even riding a horse, I mean, you always want to, you know, find an experienced person to teach you how to ride. Well, teaching how to right. pack is the same thing. You know, because okay. if you're going to load 200 pounds on that animal and go, I mean, you want it on there the right way or it's going to fall off a mile up the yeah. trail. So. You don't want that happening 9,000 feet up. No. I, I hate uh, loading twice. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, for the folks that are out there listening and uh, maybe tuning in for the first time when Backcountry Horse, tell us a little bit about the purpose of Backcountry Horseman and how people can find you and get involved and become members. Okay. Well, for the most part, the Backcountry Horseman, actually, we're going on our, uh, next year. It's going to be our 50th year. Uh, we started in seven, 1973 in the Flathead Valley here in Montana. And we're a service organization. We volunteer to the Forest Service or the Park Service or whatever the land agency is uh, to help clear trail. And, you know, there's, what, 150,000 miles of trail in the United States. Uh, and it's got to be kept clear. Um, so... That's what we do. I mean, you can go to our website, you know, bcha.org, and scroll down and see the map. And there's 30, we're in 31 states right now. And you can just put in your zip code and figure out where the closest chapter to you is. So. Well, that is a pretty cool deal. And I know that here in Tennessee, we've got at least four chapters, I think. Yes. I know those guys well. Yeah. And, uh, so I would encourage you, wherever you are in the United States, to check out bcha.org, find out where there is a chapter, and uh, and get involved and uh, and help keep the trails open for all trail riders and all trail users, because not only horseback riders, but other people are able to get out and use the trails because they've been cleared by Backcountry Horse of America. And they're also educational to get involved with. Really don't want to get out on the trails. I would expect, Mark, that people could make a donation to Backcountry Horsemen of America. Uh, yes, they could. If they so choose, they can do that on the website also. All right. All right. Well, we need to get you back out here into Tennessee and teach these guys how to use a crosscut saw. And have oh, I'm sure they've got it figured out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, you have been a great guest again today and look forward to having you come back. Anything that we're not talking about that you'd like to talk about? Okay, Gary, thank you very much for having me. I really enjoy it. Well, you are very welcome. So we look forward to 
having you come back with us again. And uh, again, it's bcha.org. Visit their website, get involved, become a member. Mark, thank you so much. We appreciate you, my friend. Thank you. Take care now. Spanish is the loving tongue, bright as music, soft as spray. T'was a man I learned it from, living down Sonora Way. Now I don't look much like a lover. Yet I say his love words over Often when I'm all alone Mi amor, mi corazón Nights when he knew where I'd
Spanish is the loving tongue. Well, it has been a fun show today. We've been visiting with Mark Kimmel, who is the vice chairman of Backcountry Horsemen of America. And it was great to visit with Patty Clayton and share music from her great new CD, The Real West. We want to remind you to be sure and check out our website, equestrianlegacy.net. Click on the Rendezvous 2022 tab. That's coming up in September the 29th through October the 1st. That's Rendezvous 2022. And that's the benefit for the Mustang Heritage Foundation. So we'll have three days of trail riding. We'll have shopping with some great vendors. We're going to have tremendous musical concerts on Friday and Saturday night. And on Saturday, we'll be having the extreme Mustang race. It'll be the extreme cowboy race that's going to be there. It's been a few years since we've had that as part of our event. So they will be back and there will be a special section for Mustangs only. So that is on Saturday, October the 1st. And that all is taking place at the Circle E Guest Ranch in Winchester, Tennessee. That is Equestrian Legacy Radio's Rendezvous 2022, October the 29th, I'm sorry, September the 29th through October the 1st at the Circle E Guest Ranch in Winchester, Tennessee. Well, that kind of wraps things up today for the show, and we look forward to having you come back next Thursday, beginning at noon Central Standard Time for the Campfire Cafe, followed by Saddle Up America. We'll remember. Mind you, as always, if you climb in the saddle, get ready for the ride on Equestrian Legacy Radio. We're going to close things out today for this Cinco de Mayo with another great song by Miss Mary Kay Holt. It's one called Jealous of the Moon. Thanks for listening.
Tengo celos de la luna Estás lejos tú de mí Mi alma duele porque no estás Mi deseo es una pluma Yo te veo rara tú yo no aguanto más aquí sin ti. Never fall in love with the tall men who ride. They are married to the seasons and the cattle are the bride. The moon above perhaps sees more than me. Of the cowboy I long for The cowboy I cannot see Near the tears that far from sleeping Wide awake but I am dreaming I can hear my heart fast to be Tengo celos de 